All right, guys, you're very welcome along to episode 60, yeah, 60 episodes of Heart Wines Podcast with myself, Shane, and I've got another very special guest. He is a Dublin man. He is a spoken word artist and he's a poet. His name is Emmett O'Brien. How are you doing, Emmett? How are you, man? Thanks very much for the intro. It's a nice little intro to get. <laughs> no worries, man. Now tell me, Emmett, where are you from in Dublin? Originally, I'm from Dublin 7, Cabra. Uh, recently I moved out to Ballybock in that city that's where my family are from so I'm a bit of a hybrid between the two but uh, I always just say north side of Dublin yeah 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 yeah. because I'm, I'm south side but I'm not I'm not south side I'm south west you know over Talloway so the south side you're and the south west you know you're the north side of the south side that's it we always laugh <laughs> when, that's we it. Talk, when I talk about it I say Tallet is the the north side of the south side and then Castle Knock is the south side of the north side so they need to switch those over yeah, that's it. You're right, actually. Yeah, because there's Northside and there's where one of my colleagues, he's from North Dublin, not Northside. You know what I mean? Like up by, you know, a place like Hoth and mm-hmm. Rush and Lusk. These are all North Dublin, but Northside is like Cabra, Finglas. Yeah, that's it. Moon. Now tell where me. Where it goes so... down. <laughs> where it goes down. I love your, I love your, uh, I love, I watch a YouTube, um, the North Side. That really brought it home for me because it gave you a sense of North Side. Now, what was it like? What was it like for you growing up? You were brought up in Cabra, was it? Yeah, yeah. So I was brought up in Cabra. I lived a lot of my life in Cabra, and mm. uh, growing up was growing up was very different for me. I always kind of have a laugh with people like that. Now the years, uh, one of my best mates, me, and I always kind of joke about it. Same my life before the age of seventeen, and my life after the age of seventeen are two completely separate lives. Growing up for me, uh, people are always saying to me, oh, you must have loved art when you were younger. I hated it. Like, I hated art. I never wanted to be uh, involved in it. Like, mm. I used to just be a kind of bloke that would essentially just kind of waste days away, just kind of dossing around and, and not doing much and kind of just indulging in, in I guess, kind of the, can you say, like a drinking culture at a young age. And, yeah. Um, just kind of getting up to, to, to no goodness. Um. Now, when I was when I was growing up, I, I kind of did have a passion for English. I always liked kind of rap and hip hop. I never really made the connection, if that makes sense. I just listened to a lot of hip hop growing up, but uh, it was never a, a it was never really an arty upbringing. I believe that. Now, did you like you know like the way as you said like Tala is the the the, the south was it north side the south side essentially? So it's like that perception of 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 where you're from. Did you ever find people when you told told them where you're from, they kind of go oh, they kind of take a step back and kind of go oh. Okay, you're a nice guy, but you're from this area, so I'm going to be kind of wary of you a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? The biggest thing is I noticed that the more I got into the art scene, I noticed mm. that people, well, that's what I, I, I just started to notice it more. So, like, one thing that I always get is my accents, and, like, people comment on my accents a lot. I have a really rough Dublin accent, I call it, like, you know, it's dirty Dublin. I've always had people kind of turn around to me when I started doing art, and people were just like, it's great to see it's some lad from where you're from coming up and doing that thing. And I know that it's meant as a compliment, but at the same time, I mean, what, what do you mean by that? Do you know what I mean? Like, where, where does that come from, a young lad coming up doing his thing from a particular area? I, I don't think it really made a difference. It's something that I feel like a lot of us, a lot of us deal with. Um, a fellow that I gig with, Jeff, he's from 10 minutes up the road from me. But you would never think that we're from the same area of Dublin. Um, we have very different accents. We talk in very different ways. But we've experienced very similar events, should we say? Talk about this guy, uh, this thing that he done where he was studying. He was a mature teacher studying, a mature student studying to be a teacher. Mm. And uh, a woman turned around from one of his lecturers and said, "Isn't it very good for you from where you came from to see you doing this?" 
and he kind of went, what what does that even mean so mm. i mean we we don't read like i personally don't get it in a way of like oh here comes this lad from cabras so let's just hold our phone i get it in more of a way of like isn't it very good for you isn't it very good what you've done isn't it very good where you come from or what you've come to and mm. that kind of to me can be worse because just because there's an odd label on, on my postcode that doesn't mean that i'm any less articulated than anybody else it doesn't mean that i'm any less um i guess pleasant of a person like we, we all deal with good people and bad people in our areas but i feel like it's, it, it's something that defines me a lot and that's why i did write the north side like you said earlier on that mm. would have been probably the first thing that you stumbled upon that was the, the piece that kind of brought me to the scene i suppose because i think it has it's funny and it's good crack but it also has this thing of like these are the stereotypes that are put upon us and some parts of it are true and some parts of it aren't but this is what you hear when you hear the north side this is what you think of you think yeah. of young lads driving stolen cars and get up out of that love and all of this sort of stuff and it's just it's true in ways unfortunately but i feel like it's also very prevalent in 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 everywhere in the country and everywhere in the world subjected to just a lower income area or a less developed area should we call it i even hate that term like i remember growing up in school and looking talking about getting grants i know my sister got a grant to, to go to dcu and that's because she was from what they called an underdeveloped area what, what do you mean by underdeveloped like does it yeah, there's a lot of backhandedness, I feel, in terms of classism. Classism is, is extremely evident in Ireland, and it's something that I've tried to tackle recently in poetry. And I do it I do it a lot of ways, but I do it through me and the humour. So what I'll do it is saying, like, oh, this is great crack, isn't it? This is gas, and oh, he's going to rob your phone, and oh, he's standing there with his pants down the shop. But then there's a moment where you turn around and say, well, actually, this is what you're putting on me. And we become products of our environment as well. We become products of what we told we are. That's That's like... It, it can knock our confidence to know and, and that's happened to me in my career as well at times that I've kind of turned around and said to myself well should I apply for this because I know that there's going to be four or five people that have a much smoother accent than mine and can maybe articulate the words a little bit better or they have a better upbringing and mm. that 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 always happens I know people that haven't put where they're from on their CV they won't put Cabra or you know like uh, if you're from Finglas but you're at the edge of Finglas people might put Blast Nevin down it, it happens all the time yeah, exactly. Yeah, because like it is the it is the kind of maybe media perception of where you're from or what people and it's kind of like Chinese whispers. It kind of get, it kind of builds up a kind of head a head of steam and it's kind of like oh don't go there, don't trust that area because of what everyone else is saying. But they probably never actually experienced people from there or being there. You know what I mean? This is it. I, I, I'll tell you one thing. I'll give you a great example of what you're saying. I do mm. from Cabra to Bali Box. Uh, during October 2020 and I moved into my grandparents' house and I spent a long time growing up coming down to visit my grandparents kind of on a weekendly basis and I was always told to be very careful right? I was told to be really careful when you're walking through Ballybock and particularly when you're walking through Summer Hill so when I first moved up to here I was extremely tentative so I was a, a hypocrite kind of because I was doing what was done to me without even yeah. acknowledging that I was doing it I just was told to be careful and since I moved here I have to say that the area that I'm in is probably one of the best areas that I could ever ask for. Everybody looks out for everybody. There's always people talking. I remember there were two lads hanging outside the front of my gas one of the nights, and my neighbor came out and started asking what they were doing. And that's a very rare thing I feel nowadays because we're in a society that's very, we kind of hide ourselves from one another until we figure out who we are. It's very rare that you'll kind of turn around and get on with all your neighbors because you won't know them all well. 
But in the area that I'm in now, everybody wants to know you and everybody wants to get to know you. And you'll sit there and start talking to people. And it's one of the nicest areas that I can come from. So people really need to experience living in a place or spending a lot of time in a place before plastering it with a label. But that's something that I did. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my experience, like I actually, for a time, I moved up to, up to Ashtown, but Ashtown is kind of a brand new kind of development. It's like Adamstown or Bettystown. It's one of these kind of new developments that have brought a place for people to live and, and, and co-live or whatever. It's mm-hmm. between like Finglas and Cabra, but it didn't exist probably 20 years ago. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, and it was always Ashington. It was Ashington oh, okay. Ashtown. So yeah. I would call Ashtown Ashington just because I remember it for being younger. Ashtown yeah. has become like it's, it's, it's a kid's a Saudi bar. It's become a very gentrified area, a mm. nice little hipster area. And uh, look, I like to see business. Business, you have to work towards it. You have to work and play the game when it's a capitalist society. So mm. I understand that people are kind of gentrified areas to bring business in and income. But I feel like we've kind of lost that traditional values in a sense. Sorry, I, I probably just cut that off with you. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree. I remember I was over, I, uh, I was over at a gig during. I'll talk about lockdown for a, a minute because I don't. It's, we're we're blowing the face talking about it at this stage, but um, I was over at a gig over Rings End community community center, and a good friend of mine, a comedian, Danny O'Brien, Dublin comedian, and he was doing a gig in that area, and I remember going for a pub in the local, and I, I, I just loved the whole buzz of the local, even though. It's a fairly kind of edgy kind of part of town. Like there's the there's the flats nearby. And I know a guy from the flats, and I and, and unless you know these people, you don't you, you kind of have that kind of you know. But I was I was loving hearing the lads chatting away, and, and I, I could be all sorts of people from all over, like all, all all different characters. But I just loved. I felt really really in Dublin over that side of the city. When you go into mm-hmm. the city centre, it's more gentrified. There's multiculturalism. There's, there's all that, and that's that's fine because Dublin is. A European city. It's not just a city in Europe anymore. It's a European city. So it is gentrification. There is capitalism. There's lots of businesses coming in, hotels. We've all talked about, you know, the cobblestone and the arches and all that sort of thing. But it's, it, it was, it, I, I loved to sit in there, even though there might be some unsavory characters in the mix. I still was, I was just, I was just loving hearing the, 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 the like the, the kind of, you know, the, the Sean O'Casey kind of Dublin buzz going on. It's like a real, you know, a real buzz there, you know. And it's lovely, and that's stuff. That's stuff that you only find in I. I think, uh, in a city areas are, are kind of what you, what people would develop it under. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, we still hold our traditional values, and I love multiculturalism, and I love the fact that we're a European city, and, and that we experience so many diverse cultures. But mm. I feel like there's no reason why we can't have our culture at the forefront because the Irish culture is one of the most beautiful things in the world, and I'm not even saying that because I'm Irish. Everybody loves the Irish because of the crack, because yeah. of the wit, yeah. because of our humor. Like, and and you're really, it's. I feel like Dublin, particularly, there's areas in it where magic unfolds in front of your eyes, and we just take it for granted, mm. and we don't even realize the beauty within it. I started writing a play um, recently when the pubs reopened, and it's called Twelve Fifteen in a Builder, and it's about uh, my local, the Bohemian Miguel's and Fisbury. And I remember sitting there one of the days and my dad, me and my dad were drinking and we just saw Twitty and my dad was like, you could write a book about this place. I think I might, I think I might write a play about this place. I mm. just started mentally and, and, and writing down little notes, the beautiful intricacies that we see, we take for granted. And I really kept an eye out for them. And it was jam-packed. 
And it just really made me appreciate um, what we have on, in this country. And, and we, should, we should really be holding that at a higher level. Even like the like a traditional music. When do you really hear that anymore, apart from the mainstream part of Irish music? When have you ever seen, like, I used to always remember seeing lads come in with fiddles or guitars and bell-rons and just sitting in the corner and playing. That's yeah. a very rare thing nowadays. Yeah, it's more of a, yeah, it's more of a European kind of world music, you know, not just folk music anymore. But like, exactly. so when you started out, okay, so you didn't have an interest in being an artist or a poet. How did you get into the world of, of, of performing poetry and spoken word? It started with hip hop. It started, it started with rap. Um, I used to go to, uh, used to go to like house parties and I had a friend, his name is Yaza. And I remember one of the days going up to it, I think it was a house party or some college party. And he was sitting out the front with his phone and a, a, a song playing off a speaker, rapping to it. And I went over and said, listen to it because I love rap. And yeah. I was just like, you're, you're a mad bastard you are. Like, you're just standing <laughs> in the middle of nowhere with about four people having a smoke. And you just walked up to them and asked them if, if, you, if you could rap with them and then started doing it. And you sound good too. And uh. I kind of lacked confidence. Um, I was a very strange person growing up and I knew that I was. So it kind of did lack a bit of confidence, but I wanted to be out there more. And I remember like saying, I, I'd love to be able to, to have that. I'd love to be able to do that. And like, I, I'm not going to lie to you. Part of it was because I was like seven, uh, about 16, 17, or maybe 18, and uh, just sitting there saying, I'd say he gets loads of women by doing this. So if I start doing this, I might start getting a few women as well, right? It had yeah. nothing to do with, with actually wanting to be an artist. And then I just kind of remember writing, started doing with him. I, just, I, I actually really like this. And um, I really enjoy doing it. The one thing that I didn't like about it was that it's all like, I love hip hop and rap, but it is very like bravado and it takes a specific writer, a very talented writer to be able to really tell a story through hip hop, like mm. say Kendrick Lamar and Asbud. And I just don't have that. And I never did. Um, I found the beats way too off button. But um, I experienced a lot of events when I was younger that were very traumatic and I subconsciously started writing those events out um, just when I was thinking about stuff to write and thinking about stuff to rap about. And like that, I remember like talking about I had friends pass away when I was younger and stuff like that. That inevitably just started coming out when I started writing. I, I remember exactly where I was. I was sitting in my room and I said, what if I just took this beat away and just started writing and just started writing whatever, whatever was coming to mind and I started doing that realized that there was a bit of a flow with it like when i was younger i would always like kind of write bits here and there but like it would more so be at the time that i was experiencing the traumatic effect it was it wasn't like art it was just writing now how i felt as a coping mechanism look through like these old notebooks that i had and said this is this has stuff that needs to be talked about and started writing a lot of notes and a lot of um, what inevitably became poems. I don't know, like the poetry just manifested from that, finding my own rhythm, but also just talking about whatever came to my mind. And I feel like as an artist, my poetry is just such a reflection on my life. So there's so many things that I've written about that I have no idea how I came to writing about it. I couldn't even tell you the process of it. Although I'm a poet, I still kind of am just free flow writing as well, which inevitably just comes into poetry. And then now that just became a career, I guess. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah. And now, like, how did you, when you, when you started, you got stuck into poetry, did you, you see it as a career or was it just like, you just enjoyed doing it of a weekend and then you'd realise, you know, I've got talent here. And then how did you get into, kind of get into the writing books or poet, poetry books? Like, Great question. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't necessarily tell you the exact moment that it switched. 
and it was a it was a series of events. It started off by just being I had a place to go every week. I used to go to the international on a Monday. I had a place to go every week. I could write a new poem and read it, but most importantly, I could hear art because as soon as I started getting into things and when I started going to open mics, I just became immersed in art. And it was beautiful. It was like I couldn't explain the beauty of it. I became obsessed with it. Um, it was such a release and it was I just couldn't get enough of it. So every Monday and every Monday and every Monday, it was never a career. It was never going to be a career. It was just meeting people and sitting down and being being appreciated, writing something so vulnerable and being appreciated for it and watching other people do the same. It became a family and it just naturally manifested into a career. And now it's naturally manifesting itself out of that way again because I've just realized how much I've missed it as a weekly thing. So I don't necessarily, I'm at a stage in my life now where I don't necessarily even want to have a career in it anymore. It became a career for about a year or so. Mm. So it's very, I couldn't necessarily tell you where it started and where it ended. To me, the past four years in terms of poetry has just been a complete journey, a trip. Yeah, I feel like it was a career at one point, but now I, I kind of don't think I want that as a career. I don't think poetry should be an industry. I, I, I feel like it's just there's something about it that it shouldn't be an industry. It will never make it. I, I don't believe it, it should make it as an industry because I feel like that takes the heart out of it. Yeah, so like like you say, like maybe you, like you're writing plays, would that be more what you'd like to do more because then you'd be getting to have other people perform your vision on, on stage or whatnot? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a huge part of it. Playwriting for me is just, I, I just love to do it. Um, mm. I, I've already written a few and had a few out. And I remember the first play that I had written was, it was a play adapted from my third book. And um, there was just something about taking on such a huge volume of work and being able to put that on a stage and say that you have this. It's very different to a poem. It's very different to a song. It's a song and a poem. You can write it and you can kind of perform it anywhere and everywhere and you get responses. With a play, it's such a challenge. So mm. the, I think the, the only reason why I want to get it done is to kind of do that and 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 challenge myself. You know? Like make no mistake about it, I don't I don't see myself having a career, but I still want to have a legacy. So I think everything that I want to do now is to have a name, and um, I want my name to go down as one of the best spoken word artists that Ireland has seen. So in order to do that, I've got to continue to put out a higher volume of work. It's, yeah. it's just more of a passion than anything now. And um, it's understanding a talent and, and, and really wanting to cement the legacy of that talent because I feel like I've dedicated my life to it, you know? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And you can, you can feel it in, 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 in the way you, you are passionate about your craft. But I mean, do you talk about, uh, do you have any poetic influences like, well, maybe since you started or even before you started getting into kind of spoken word and poetry? Yeah, beforehand, it was all rap. It was all rap. Um, mm. I was obsessed with Nas. I was obsessed with. I had me Biggie and Tupac phase. I was obsessed <laughs> with like a 50 cent. I was obsessed with a lot of hip hop artists. And also, I'm mad into jazz and I love jazz uh, and I love reggae. So a lot of it was music inspired. I started to really get inspired in, in terms of poetry when I understood the Irish scene. Um, so this is a very controversial thing to say, but I will say I, you know, traditional poetry is what you call, like, call it, like say the eighth or stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of that. I'm not. I'm really not a fan of those those kind of poems or poets, and uh, it's just not my preference, you know. So when I started seeing the likes of Emma Kerwin on the stage, Stephen James Smith on the stage, Natalia Flaherty on the stage, the poet Jeff, 
these Irish artists, hmm. um, they blew my mind away and they've inspired me. And I'm still inspired by so many new acts and new artists. I think all my inspirations have come from the Irish scene. Um, and I think I, if I was to give you like a top three, I'd probably put Emma Kerwin in there. Uh, I'd probably put the Power Jeff in there. And I'd say actually, do you know what? I'd say Felicia fairly speaks of you up there as a, as a third one. She's a, she's a huge inspiration. So yeah, it's all from the Irish scene. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. and especially new. I feel like an issue there that people have, one thing that I've seen, because nobody wants to admit that ego is a thing, but ego is very prevalent when you become an artist. And like, at this time, I've had a massive ego. I feel like when you kind of, when you've kind of done a lot of time in a scene, you don't really take as much inspiration from new artists because you feel like you're necessarily above them, kind of, you know? Mm. Um, now, when I say above them, that's a harsh way of putting it. Not thinking that you're better than any person, but you're kind of so focused on you hear so many people come up to you and say like oh when i started off you are you were the team when i started off i used to see you and you kind of get so caught up in that that you don't really pass that on to the next people and i've started to really get inspired from new artists emerging artists i get inspired and i get extremely jealous because there's some people out there that are kind of going to knock me to the dust and other people to the dust but i think it's always important to be inspired by, by the upcomers as well as the past people. now when i think like because i I've dabbled with comedy, but comedy is kind of, it's a hard, hard art as well because it is a meritocracy in a sense. But regards poetry, for example, I feel there's a rawness in poetry because you're talking about topics that really probably are close to your heart. And it really, you really can, it really can like uh, let a lot, let a lot out on stage and it can really be uh, impactful on, on your emotional state. Do you ever find that when you go up on stage, you really feel coming off stage, you're going, oh, geez, I said those words. And it's really kind of, it's cut deep a little bit, you know? Mm, absolutely yeah all, uh, all the time and i've dealt a lot with kind of um mental health issues right it's been very prevalent in my life and i won't lie to you there's times that i've gotten off stages after opening up about things like uh, the last time was in uh, last november i was on the show and walked was last november and it, and it, it kind of went into uh, the death of a friend when i was younger and kind of the 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 traumatic feelings after it and it was really 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 emotional um, and it even kind of there's a part in it where I talk about my mental health now and how over lockdown it really hasn't it wasn't the best you know and uh, I remember there was a line in it that said uh, I always wanted I always wondered if I was born to live or if I was born to simply be remembered because it was a thought that I had when I was younger that when a young person passes away were they ever born to live or born to be remembered because they never had a life to live and that was something I remember talking to you earlier on. I used to have notebooks, and that was like briefly highlighted in the notebook. And when I went and read it back again, I was like, well, that is absolutely nuts for a 15-year-old to mm. even think of. Um, so I had to put that in the play. And then when I was doing it in the workman's in November, and I remember standing up on, on a stage, and I said that line, and I just stopped. And in my head, all I remember saying to myself was, keep going, don't think about it, and keep going. And I just went at it again. And uh, finished the play, or finished the, the show, went downstairs, had a really beautiful time there, and was just buzzing, like, so happy because the, the show went so well. And it was only after then I had a point and sat down, and I kind of turned around to myself and said, hold on, that, that, that hit home. Mm. And it was really, really personal to me. And I just, I, I kind of cried a little bit, you know? And... Mm. Um, but that's the that's the beauty of what we do. We have, as an artist, we have any artist has a gift 
of having a platform and being able to talk to people and having people listen to you. And it's a power. And the thing with poetry is that we have the opportunity uh, to really get vulnerable. And our vulnerability has to be shown. And um, that's why I, poetry, I think, like I said earlier on, it shouldn't be in within an industry. It shouldn't. I understand that people should make money off their art, but I feel like it has to be personal. It has to be what you're feeling at that time. And that's not always going to be a good thing. I'm thinking about that now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it is. Man. Mental health is such a, I mean, especially again go back to lockdown and that it was tough because some like people couldn't go and be out socializing and then you're, you're alone with your thoughts and then you're thinking about as you said like someone to be lost so young like mm. it's something you just don't think about it you know it's just like something like and if you lose someone so young it, 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 when you're in those alone times you really bring up you really come back to those times and think you know you think about that person more and more and more you know yeah and it's, it was it was no place you know but I have to be honest with you, though, at the same time, there's times that I've gotten up on a stage and, and felt amazing emotions. It's all a roller coaster, yeah. you know. Mm. It's always a roller coaster, and you have to feel down to feel up. And, uh, you know, there's also another element when you get into performance poetry that, you know, people can really knock you back too. You can, people can really forget how vulnerable art is. And, and you know, sometimes it can be hard to take on criticism for that exact reason. Um, I feel like that's another thing of why when poetry gets into an industry, is it, is it judged? Is it judged a bit too much? Like, maybe, yeah. You know, we go into slam, like the slam poetry, and I, I like slam poetry, it's very cracking up, but I'll never ever judge a slam poetry competition because I wouldn't be able to. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know, I wouldn't know how to, 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 to rate one piece higher than another in terms of emotion, in terms of passion, you know? Yeah, yeah, I know. I've I've encountered slam poetry. I had another poet on before. Some uh, counted down. Uh, Colin Hassard, you know, him? he's from up in the mm. north there. Yeah, he's based from the north. He's he, wrote, he, he penned a book there recently, and he was talking about slam poetry. And yeah, slam poetry is different because in so in some regards, you're you're kind of it can be very theme based, as in it might be very like you know what's going on in the world now could be like about war or politics and, and then you have to really kind of like get behind that and it really is like there is a humor aspect as well to it because you really have to get the audience engaged mm -hmm. sometimes words are enough you need to get them laughing or get them kind of smiling a little bit you know the thing that i feel like uh, i feel like there's a huge uh, it's inevitably going to happen when it comes to personal topics but i feel like stuff like slam poetry and stuff like that there's a huge political element involved in our mm. field in ireland feel like they're kind of credited for having maybe particular beliefs and expressing particular beliefs because they're popular at the time. It's hard sometimes to kind of get involved. Yeah, I feel like slam poetry kind of brings out a side of poets that maybe shouldn't be there. Maybe it shouldn't be as competitive. Like, I feel like poetry is such a personal thing. We should talk about how we feel, but we shouldn't talk about it for a gain of popularity. And I feel like we're doing that a lot. I mean, I feel like there's an industry that does that a lot. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I remember... I remember coming across a few very talented uh, slam poets in Edinburgh, and it was it, it almost felt like these guys were the like they walk into a room and everyone go, oh, there's those guys, you know. It's it's really like this. There's a kind of a Hollywood superstar kind of uh, buzz, like energy aura about them. It's not about just the poetry. It's about these guys. They're really cool, you know. These are the cool guys in the room. So like everyone get behind them and stuff like that. Whereas poetry, yes, for sure, it's performance, but it has to be raw and emotional. Humor does come into it, but it has to it has to really feel. It has to re mean something to you, and if it means something to you, it'll definitely mean something to the audience. You know, 
Exactly, and I feel like that'll be like people like when I say in terms of I hate saying it, but I do very well, and in terms of like the scene, and I done very well in terms of like kind of getting people a fan base to get a really. But I feel like the reason why that is is because I chose to just not really care anymore, and like just kind of be who I was, and that personal. I think that personal element of it, like you're saying, you know, where mm. it does have a humorous element to it, and it does obviously look at the end of the day, you do want to have a crowd, and you do want to kind of hype up yourself and hype up yourself but I feel like if you be yourself people are going to like it either way you're going to have people that hate it and you're going to have people that like it but the people that I like it are still going to be there that's why look I've got the same crowds of people that come to my gigs they are the best crowds I could ever ask for because I've given them who I am and they've given me who they are and we've all just had the crack you know? yeah yeah I talk about this like you find your tribe essentially they're your tribe and they, and they, will, they will go to the hill with you in a sense as well now the reason why I got you on and and I'm happy you came on is because a good friend of mine, uh, a very talented uh, artist, mural, painter, extraordinaire, Kevin Bowen got me in touch with you. And you're working, you're working on a project called Storyboard. Can you talk about that Storyboard project? Again, it's to do with mental health. Yeah, I can. Yeah. So Kevin reached out to me a couple of weeks ago, put a bit of a three or four weeks ago and just said that he had got in contact with one of his friends that kind of put him up to me and said that we should work together. And he, he explained the whole thing to me. And as soon as I heard mental health, as soon as I heard the for mental health, I said, this has to be done. Let's do it. Let's do it. And uh, he explained that he was doing a mural in Temple Bar on Aston Place. And he wanted to focus it around the poem written by a male spoken word artist about male mental health. And I kind of said, I've got a few pieces there, but when he said the name Storyboard, I said, something rang with me in my head. And I just turned around and said, give me about 10 minutes, man, and I'll call you back. And I hung up the phone and wrote out this poem called Storyboard. And it was just a complete stream of consciousness. I think I wrote the whole thing in about 15 minutes. Gave him a call back, sent, uh, sent him an email with the poem. I said, have a read of that. Let me know what you think. And he goes, right, I'm, pop- I'm popping you on a Zoom call. And he introduced me to a... Uh, Grania Walker from Creative Connection, I think it was called. And they said, right, we want to work with you. Let's get it done. And so we worked together on this, basically a poem, and Kev done a whole uh, spray-painted mural for it. Um, in the middle of Temple Bar, we recorded the video for it, which is coming out next week. And it's just to highlight um, that men can talk to one another, you know? Um, so the piece is a very conversational piece, and it's just me talking to my mate and saying, like, oh, sorry, bud. The frown on your face is being contagious because we've been wasting so much time with our hands down and our ducks that we forget to talk. So it's a very, that's the opening line. It's very much of a thing of like, I'm talking to you, mate. How are you? Are you not feeling too well? It's been a while since we've talked about this as men. And um, Kev really captured that in the picture that he done. He had like a lad with his head down, cap over his eyes, not looking the best. And then written beside it is, but come here to me, pal. Are you okay? Mm. And um, yeah, I think he done he done a beautiful job. Uh, he's one of the one of it's not the best people that I've kind of ever worked with, and I've worked with a lot of people, but I've never been so relaxed and comfortable with someone, and I've never actually wanted to do something as much for someone as 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 Kev and Grania. The two of them are are amazing to work with, and they're doing so many positive things for for the city, and um, they're bringing colour to it to a dull life because we are all down. Like I know you said earlier on, we don't want to talk with the lockdown, but. It did happen, and we're all just kind yeah. of looking at that release now. People need ideas. These two people are bringing it in, in, in an abundance. They're coming with a passion, and I can't do anything but respect it, you know? 
Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think it's, it's important to highlight that as well because we all have our, our, our moments of, you know, mental health struggles regards the, especially with lockdown as well. But I, we, and like, I have a few friends I, I would, I would talk to, you know, about heavy things and important things in life. And I think it's important to have those people as well because if you can't talk to somebody, you know, as I say, a problem, a problem shared is a problem half sort of thing, you know, but it's not easy to talk, you know, especially men. There's a, there's a bravado, there's an ego, there's, there's what, if the, what, if the, what, if what I say to that person that's going to criticize me and judge me. Yeah, we, we as men just, we, we don't have our, we don't have our, uh, our things together, if you ask me. And you know what? I feel like I've talked to so many people about this, but I feel like when, you know, when you hear about like uh, the effects of a patriarchal society for the past however many millennia and, and the impact that that's had on women, it's so true. But I think we overlook the impact that it's had on men as well. It's really made us kind of a, a, we feel as though we owe so much and we feel as though we have to be this be all and end all and we feel as though we have to be this provider and this, that, and the other. We really don't. Like we put so much pressure on ourselves as men. Mm. Toxic masculinity is one of the most evident things in the society. We have so many young, angry men nowadays that just don't talk about anything. Because they're told that if they do, they're a wuss that they're going to be laughed at or whatever. And, you know, big boys don't cry, as they say. And, like, it's such a horrible thing. And the effect that that's having on our society, we have no idea how to control our emotions, I feel like. We're never, we're never taught how to. You know, we just have yeah. to figure it out. And I'm very lucky that as an artist, I think I have a grasp over my emotions because I have to, to write about it. But like I said earlier on, I live two completely different lives. And if I didn't have that outlet, I have no idea, no idea what, where I'd be or what I'd be at. Um, and it's really scary, you know. We, we, we kind of have to open up more. We kind of have to let our guards down and realise that, you know, it's all right to just be a bit of a soft bloke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it, yeah, yeah. Um, but also as well, like, you mean, you, another, another um, one of your poems... Or one of your performance pieces, Hail Mary, that really s- struck me because, as you say, we're both from Dublin, we're both Irish, probably brought up in the religious kind of, you know, background, you know, communion, confirmation, and it kind of it is part of you. So, and then when, as you say, when bad stuff happens in your life, you kind of question things, you know. So, where are you in your faith now? Are you are you are you a Buddhist now or something, or what are you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, no, I believe, I believe, I believe that uh, this is going to be a very, it's going to sound like a very egotistical thing to say, but Go I on. think when I explain it, it makes sense. I believe, I have faith in myself, I believe in myself, and I feel like what I put into this world is what I'll get out of it. Religion held me for so many years, and uh, I was, I, you know, I was a little kid that when bad things were happening, you'd say a little prayer to God and hope for the best. And like, a really, like, a really, the, the thing that really sounded to me was when my grandfather died, he was a religious man, and you know, I remember when he passed away, I held a lot of venom because I was at an age. He was such an influential character to me, but I was at an age where I was about 13, 14, and I had already been questioning religion. And uh, when this came, I was just like, you know what? He put his whole life into you, and you never answered, you know? Yeah. Uh, and why do these things happen? And also, like I said to you earlier on, like, seeing a lot and experienced a lot in my life that really makes you question if there is some old deal there that could do something about it, why hasn't he or she done it? Uh, but I still like I respect everybody's opinion. But I feel like I feel like we spend so much time putting that faith. I feel like our faith is, is in religion. Our faith is in a being. Faith is in our power. 
I think if we just turned around and said, look, we don't know how we're here, we don't know why we're here, it's a chance for coming, put that faith into yourself for this life. Why live this life wanting to experience the next rise and this is the best one that you have and just live it. So I encourage everyone to, to put the faith that they put into life or energy or God, just put it into yourself and realise that you can kind of do whatever you want then. You know, if you have, if you have faith and confidence in yourself, you can you can do what you want to do with life. Yeah. And be also come, yeah, although you come out to the side, you come, you go through trials and tribulations. Of course, religion is there or faith is there because it gives you that safety blanket, that kind of warm feeling of that is there for you. Whereas if you come out of there, what have you got? And you need direction. Some people need direction more than others. And some people like to have that in their lives because it makes them feel more whole when they, when they don't have anything else to fall. Um, into you know i think the products of religion are the issue yeah i think religion religion is, is, a, is a wonderful thing to, to believe in but i think that what has formed from the belief in religion is, is horrible like so i i love people that believe in god but i despise mm. the catholic church i would never ever ever speak in any way positive of the catholic church or when you think about you know like islamic extremists is a thing that that, that has been discussed loud. Like the religion there isn't the issue. It's what people have taken it and, and put into their own, I don't know, what they believe it means. You know what I mean? But it's, yeah. there's nothing wrong with having faith. It's just, I feel like the products of that faith has been maybe not the best in ways, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but like in, in terms of having faith and belief, it's just something beautiful thing to have because of the positivity. You know what I mean? Yeah. To rely on, on somebody or something, we all need to rely on stuff. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think people, I think the people at the cornerstone, you have good people in your life. And, the, and and they have the, the your best interest that's as good because you can trust them and trust is a cornerstone of any relationship you know exactly and and that like when you when you when you're talking about hail mary like i i, I released mm. that poem and that was such a venomous poem it was such a, a an angry piece and um, i don't regret writing it i don't regret putting it out there and um, but it's hard. That that's a hard, hard piece to kind of look back on because it just brings me back to a life that oh, I was really at a, a very, very low point. And like when I listened to that poem, the anger held within it there. That was such a, a release. And uh, there was a video that I done. I think it's still on Facebook. Jeff would be able to tell you this. And it was when I performed at Loyal. And I remember. I remember we were talking earlier on. Like you were saying, you say stuff and it hits it. Like I was a I was a different person for that three minutes. Like I was livid, 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 getting mm. everything out there. Um maybe I maybe I was a bit maybe I was a bit harsh, but at the same time, like, I don't think I said anything wrong in that piece. I think it was all very factual. I just questioning, questioning religion. And and it was my breakaway from it. Because particularly in Ireland, like you know, such the, the, the Catholic Church had such a hold on us and still does have such a hold on us. We don't want to believe that it does, but it definitely does. When I released that video, I had people turn around and they were like, I love that, I love that so much, but I'm not going to share it because, you know, it might offend people uh, that are on my page. And I'm just like, yeah, that, that's fine, that's fine. Yeah. You know, you look at, like, I think I think Ireland is still a very religious country. I think we're we're still very oppressed by the, the Catholic Church in particular. And uh, I think it's something that needs to be discussed about. And I, th- I feel like we should be able to talk about what we want to talk about. Well spoken. There you go. Yeah, it's it's an open it's an open kind of platform for you to again. That's what I was talking about that because that was part of one of your performance pieces and it's part of your your story, and it will be part of your legacy. You know, 
So have you seen much change? So when you started out, you know, your first book to your more recent book, have you seen an, an, an evolution of Emmett? You know, have you have you went through that rebellious stage to now where you are a bit more kind of, you've seen a bit more of the world or you've seen a bit more of people and, and the scene and you, you kind of have it more of a maybe a, a different perspective on things? Absolutely. That's one of my favorite, favorite things about this whole poetry journey is, is, is understanding the, the, the maturity. You know what I mean? Evolving as a person and evolving as an artist. Yeah. I had a really good chat with Colin Keegan a couple of weeks ago and we had it was a heated conversation to be saying about poetry. We were driving up to the party book and uh, and Colin said to me at one point he goes, But like do you not ever do you not ever look back on some of your poems and realize that you might have said something that you don't agree with now? And like do you not regret ever having that out there? Because we are talking about how like I, I know I know I have very controversial things out there. Um, and he was kind of asking me, uh, it was something along those lines, you know. Would you ever regret having something out? And I said, no. Look, I want to look back on that. I want to see where I was in that life. And I want to kind of continue on and, and just show every reader the story of my life and, and how my life has progressed. And it's a really, really fascinating thing. I think, in, like, if you look back on, say, the Ham area of Brian and Paul now, I'd be a lot more calm. I'd be a lot more um, introspective. Um, a lot less anger, a lot less venom, a lot less of a point to prove, a lot less boisterous, um, way more comfortable. Um, well, I had to. I, I, I wouldn't have got to here if it wasn't for beforehand. So I think it's really important to, to look back on that, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think I'm at, particularly I'm at a stage as an artist now where I am extremely comfortable in the acceptance that I will not make a massive career out of things. I will not reach some of the heights that i wanted to reach um but that makes me a better artist because it makes me not makes me focus on what i want to do and what i want to write you know because like when i like i was like 19 20 years of age back then and being like no no poets taking over the world i'm taking over the world i'm going to be doing this and i'm going to be going to america and i'm going to be going to canada and all yeah. of this and all of this and now i'm just sitting here and i'm like yeah i'd, I'd like to do a bigger street at some point and other than that i just want to drink these points and write write a couple of bits you know <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yeah. But, now is there, um, is there any topics that you kind of really are are, are, are dialed in on now like, is there certain topics that you really are so passionate about that you are writing about at this moment like yeah definitely. I, I, just ireland and irish culture is something that i'm passionate about i feel like mm. we should talk about it a lot more I did beforehand. I talked a lot about drug culture because it's something that I experienced a lot of personally, um, which I wouldn't really talk about now, but I still like to talk about maybe going back to those poems and maybe adding a little bit here and there and redoing them with a different introspective feel and look to it. Not necessarily editing it, but kind of doing responses to them, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, so I'd say there are two things that I, I, I'm mostly focused on now. Um, I think, yeah, the Irish culture would be number one. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think it's definitely, I mean, as you said, we're like, we are, Dublin is becoming more gentrified um, and you want to hold on to that culture because every other every other wor- place in the world I've been to still has that culture, you know, and, and they're very proud of that and we should be proud of that fact as well. Absolutely. And the thing is, like, as an artist, that's grand, but just as a person as well, like, I'm a bowsy. Like, I'd be an absolute, I, like, you know, I love me Guinness. I love, I love bills and I just like being like one of those people. So, that yeah. Irish culture is embedded in me. So yes. even if I'm talking, about, I might not even say I want to write a poem on, on, on Ireland or whatever, but like yeah. I might just start writing a poem about sitting in a pub 
having a point and then the next thing you know is just become one of those beasts mm. yeah. you know yeah now what's the future what's the future look like for Emmett are you got any future plans projects coming up that you want to talk about uh, look I'm, I have a new book coming out um, hoping to get that out in the summer uh, I try to I try to get a book out every year so I'm going to try and do that um, I'm obviously going to hopefully I'm going to finish this project with Kevin the video's coming out uh, shortly yeah. so when that gets done hopefully we can work a little bit more together and see where that comes from and you know what I'm not I'm just going to see what happens and see where, where life takes me I kind of want to get that I mentioned that play earlier on 12, 15 in the bills I kind of I'd like to get that out but I don't think it'll be finished this year might be finished next year so yeah, look, yeah. I'm just going to chip away. That's great. If you can get it off the ground, I'll definitely come and see your show. Like, have you got any shows coming up in Dublin uh, in the near future? Yeah, February 24th in the Cobblestone, actually. Uh, I'll be doing a gig with Luke Lurton. Um, he is, you can check it out on Instagram under his name uh, and get the tickets there. I'm going to be doing that on the 24th and I think that's, that's it so far, yeah. Nice, yeah. No, I'll, 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 put that in the, I'll put that in the note because uh, I, I work in town so I, I shouldn't be no excuse for me not to go. No, that's cool. No, Emmett, it's been uh, it's been awesome to talk to you. Uh, for my 60th episode, Emmett, you're top of the tree. 60th episode. Oh, nice, it's, it's a pleasure. It's a privilege. And, uh, yeah, thanks very much for having me on, man. You're a dandy. You too, you too. And, and enjoy your points, okay? I, I know you're going for a few points. Uh, I, yeah, a little bit of horse racing. <laughs> yeah, the race on, on this week. Do you ever go to races much yourself? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm dying to go. I'm going to be going in a little while in April 30th to uh, to Pointestown. I've been to the dogs a few times, but I haven't been live horse racing there. Uh, I was supposed to go at Christmas, but they pulled the plug on it. Like, remember around Christmas time, just before they were like, oh, we have to. like, And they were literally, for up until, up until the last minute, they were like, ah, come to Leperstown, it's grand. We, our restrictions, we have our numbers, we're fine. And then, what was it, Friday? It's always a Friday, isn't it? And it was it's like, gone, yeah. and it was like, it's gone. Like, oh, town, Leopard Town. I always, I always recommend them to go to because the Cheltenham's coming up in March, and then right, yeah. they're having what Leopard Town series. They might have like they're having it now in February, and then maybe probably towards later in February as well. So it's always good. The races always go crack. I'm gonna be. I'll never be happy. I lose more money in my life. <laughs> <laughs> you just pick the name of the horse. If if the, if the name sounds nice, I'll take it. That's the one, yeah. Anything with power in it, I'm back. <laughs> All right, Emma, uh, take it easy. Uh, also, one thing before we go, um, how can people find your work? Just follow me on, uh, I'm mostly on the L Instagram, uh, Emma underscore O'Brien underscore poetry. Or if you just look up on YouTube, Emma O'Brien poetry, it'll come up as well. But I'd say Instagram would be the best place to find it. Right, Instagram, cool. Bang on, perfect. I will right. man, no worries. All right, lovely stuff, Emma. It's good to talk to you. All right, mate. Take it easy. Have a good one, yeah? And that was Emma O'Brien, spoken word artist and poet from Dublin, originally from Cabra, now living in Ballybock. It, it was great to chat to him on my 60th episode. A Dubliner like myself, and very interesting life story, and just also just learning about his kind of how he got into poetry, being a working class lad, north side. And just learned about all the projects he's been involved in. He's done some. He's done. He's he's written some poetry books. He's also performed in many stages around Ireland. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you enjoyed this episode, if you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and comment. And remember, always welcome here on Heartlines. Take it easy. 